0: Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm your host, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be here for the next hour to guide you through a world of interesting business, financial, opinions, facts, and opinions. Uh, Some opinions are worth more than others. Mine isn't always the uh, only perfect opinion, but I like to give it and I like to share what I'm thinking. I hope everybody's able to at least give me a listen to, you know, I can be that good second opinion person for you. I've kind of prided myself on that. I have for years always been able to at least talk to people and give them a, sometimes an alternative point of view. I don't like to see somebody that's not open-minded to at least a different vantage point or a different point of view on certain things, because to be honest, uh, you can end up with just a real one-sided opinion of everything or a one-sided story if you don't shop around a little bit and expose yourself to at least a little bit of a different uh, viewpoint sometimes. And I like to think that I'm the person who might give you that different viewpoint once in a while. A lot of times I'm early on my calls. In other words, oh, I've been saying that The stock market is overvalued for quite a long time now, and it just keeps going up and up and up. So if you did listen to me as your only source, you might have sold too soon and not participated in that nice rally lately. Then again, if it crashes tomorrow, then I'm an opinion you should have listened to, and maybe you took me into consideration and lightened your load in the stock market. One thing I've always told people, one of my favorite sayings is no one ever went broke taking a profit. If I see a client with a lot of good gains in the stock market and they've been exposed to the stock market and their 401k has doubled from, say, $100,000 to $200,000, but they're still exposed to the stock market, one big crash could wipe out all of their gains and take them right back down to the 100000 they were at five years ago. A lot of times I'll tell them, hey, how about this? Take half of that money, which is now 100, which is what you used to have, and just lock that up without risking it at all. So if the market were to crash after they've done that, and it goes down 50%, where would they be? Well, they would only be exposing 100,000, so if the market goes down 50%, they would drop their 100 down to 50, but the 100 they locked up wouldn't be affected And they would have 150 out of their 200. So they'd still be 50,000 ahead. If you're following that math, what it is is you're taking some of the money. It's kind of like the casino. Remember the old thing where you're playing uh, blackjack and your $50 turns into $100? So you take the first 50 off of your stack of 100 and you put it back in your pocket. And that's called playing with the casino's money. So now even if they wipe you out, you broke even. That's the idea of taking a percentage of your money in your 403B, 401K, IRAs, or even your non-qualified regular bank account money or your stock market account money and go ahead and take half of it since it's up so high and lock in those profits. No one ever went broke taking a profit. It's one of the basic tenets of keeping your money safe. My whole thing is just everybody needs to stay safe this is not a safe world and the investing world is not a safe place. Right now, we have stock markets at super high all-time records. We're just now starting to see the bond markets more reflective of the real life of interest rates being higher. There's been 10 years of artificially suppressing interest rates to keep them low. The latest news today is that the 10 year treasury bond, which I follow because it's easy to, if you follow three or four of these bond lengths, it just gets confusing. Oh, which one was this price? Which one was that one? I just watched the 10-year all the time, and it crossed 3% today. Now, I'm not sure if it stayed above three. I know it was like 2.97 yesterday, but the psychological importance of 3%, it cannot be underestimated. That is a huge barrier it hasn't been 3% since sometime in 2014. So there's been four years where it's been lower than that. I believe it back in 2015 or 16, that bond rate of 10-year bonds was actually down to like 1.4. So the rate has actually doubled in two or three years. What's happening is the world, the real market is reflecting part of, part of the real market is reflecting through this rate on the 10-year bond. It's still being micromanaged and manipulated to be held down, but even with the manipulation, it's climbing. The rate is climbing. What happens there is there's a few things that are going to happen when this interest rate goes higher. One is property and real estate that are based on mortgage borrowing has got to be affected. The price will be affected. If the average mortgage rate were to, say, go from 4% to, let's just say, 8% for simplicity of math. I remember when I bought my first house in the early 90s, the rate was 9%, and that was an that was okay rate. That was the going rate for a mortgage. Let's just say the rate is now 4%, but let's say in a couple years the rate's 8%. Here's the way the numbers work. You're trying to sell your house for, let's just say, I'm going to keep the numbers round. Let's just say you're trying to sell your house for three fifty, and the buyer is going to need to borrow $300,000, which would probably be a kind of close to a normal 80% mortgage. So here's how the math works. The interest at 4% on the $300,000 mortgage, let's just say you do an interest-only mortgage just to keep the math simple. 4% times 300,000 is 12,000 a year so the interest would be 1,000 a month. Well, 1,000 a month plus insurance and taxes plus a little principal, that's actually affordable for the average Chico family right now. Well, I won't say average, but for the average home buying family, and I'm just going to call that something like 1,600 a month or sixteen or 1,700 a month. I happen to know that's about the equivalent of rent for a decent 3 bedroom house in Chico that tells me that the, the typical family that needs to rent or buy a typical three-bedroom, two-bath home would be able to do that in a budget of sixteen or 1700 per month based on that 4% interest rate. Now, let's say that two or three years from now, the interest rates are 8%, which is probably, if you look at a historical average over the last 30 or 40 years, they probably average eight or more. Okay, now what do we have? In order for that family to be able to afford the same house at the same payment, their mortgage could only be $150,000. Because $150,000 times 8% is $12,000 of interest per year divided by 12 months. That's 1000 per month of interest. But now. They're servicing a mortgage at 8%, so the only mortgage they can afford that keeps interest at $1,000 per month is a mortgage for $150,000. Well, if you assume that they had $50,000 saved somehow in their down payment, you the selling price of your house basically went from three fifty dollars in the first scenario with the 4% interest, well, now you're available price that people can afford to pay is now $200,000, assuming they still have $50,000 for down payment. That is how insidious and how evil this interest rate rate rise is to prices of things. Now, it wouldn't affect things that aren't dealt with on borrowing. The entire home industry is mainly working on mortgaged borrowing to buy the homes, If everybody paid cash for homes, this would not be a factor. But since 90% of all homes, or probably more, are mortgaged, that means that this interest rate is a direct effect on the value and the price of your home. Of course, this would be better news if you had all cash and the interest rates went up and the prices went down. That'd be good news for you if you were a buyer using cash. But the average buyer is borrowing with a mortgage they'll be subject to these higher rates. This is the problem with rising interest rates. This is why the government is doing their best to not let the interest rates rise or go up. But the problem is they're going up on their own. Like I was saying before, who really wants to buy a bond that is going to pay 3% when I'm convinced inflation is at least 3%. That's like losing money by putting your money in one of these bonds and remember these interest rates they are they're an effect of the purchasing or selling of bonds the reason rates go up or down is because of the demand for these bonds when there's a high demand for the bonds the interest rates can go down because the price of the bond goes up people are willing to take a less of an interest rate of return because they want that bond the problem is these days I don't think anybody really wants these bonds, and in my opinion, there's actual government money going into buying these bonds. Now, back in 2010, they actually did this publicly. They called it QE, or quantitative easing, and they publicly stated, yes, we're going to buy all these bonds. In my opinion, they're still buying them, but they're doing them through a back door, which is not publicly acknowledged. But they probably are doing that, and that's in order to keep rates down. If you are looking to sell your property, then you're hoping that interest rates stay low. But the problem is, this is like a boiling pot with a lid on it. The boiling water underneath is trying to push the top of the pot off, and somebody's holding it down. But at some point, they can't hold it down that long. It's also like trying to hold a beach ball under the surface of the water. If you've ever tried to do that, it's very difficult, and as soon as you let go, the beach ball shoots up into the air. That's sort of what's happening with interest rates. Now, here's another issue with interest rates. Our national debt that they acknowledge, and I call it $21 trillion, I'll just call it $20 trillion for round numbers. It makes the math a little simpler. The If the average debt of these Treasury debts is, say it's, three percent because it's like 10 years. So with the average debt of 20 trillion and the debt is three percent, the math on that means that each year, three percent of 20 trillion is going to cost interest of six hundred billion dollars. So that's just simple math. That's 20 trillion times three percent. So six hundred billion dollars would be going out to interest at 3%. Now, here's what was going on two or three years ago. When the interest was at one4 let's just call it 1.5%, that interest would have only cost 20 trillion times one5 That would only cost $300 billion. If you can sort of follow where I'm going with this, we're sitting here crying about a trillion-dollar deficit in the budget the fact that interest rates have gone from 1.5 to 3.0 has just added another $300 billion to that annual deficit. There's no hope that that can be shaved off anywhere. They can't even cut. It's hard for them to cut a, a billion from anything they're doing. They're always trying to keep the money flowing and keep the budget money going to all these projects and payrolls and pensions. So the fact that they have a trouble cutting a billion here and there how are they ever going to cut $300 billion? Now let's interpolate that a little further. Let's just say that these interest rates are allowed to go naturally back where the average has been for the last 30 or 40 years, and let's just say that's 7%. That, if the rates were to be 7% on $20 trillion, that's $1.4 per year just for interest there is no way that is ever going to be handled or taken care of. Now I'll be coming up on that first break pretty soon. I want you to just think about this. How is our government going to handle hundreds of billions of dollars of interest on top of the debt we already have when nobody's really willing to cut back on any spending? Even president Trump signed the budget bill about a month or so ago and that was like a shocking deficit of $1.3 trillion. If this interest rate climbs any further, we're going to be looking at a $2 trillion deficit each year with just no end in sight. There's no way this is ever going to be repaid. And the only way they can make this work is to what they call inflate the debt away. And I'll talk about that a little bit on the other side of the break when you talk about inflating the debt away what you really mean is that you're going to make the dollars worth less so that you'll be able to pay back that let's just call it 20 trillion you would theoretically be paying back the 20 trillion with cheaper dollars dollars that are easier to get dollars that there's more of you're really not solving anything but you're paying back the debt in different deflated, devalued dollars. So that's how that all works. I'm going to get back and talk about that a little more on the other side of the break. And remember, posit- negatives sound negative, but it's very positive for you to be aware. Talk to you soon. Stay tuned.
1: His Rick Box, founder of Unconventional Business Network, formerly Integrity Resource Center, with today's Integrity Moment. The Peter Principle says if we continually promote high performers, we will eventually promote them to a level of incompetence.
0: According to Harvard Business Review, Alan Benson and Kelly Hsu tested this theory by researching how well salespeople did when they were promoted to sales manager. They discovered that high-performing salespeople were often not good managers, affirming the Peter Principle. When offered a promotion, some take it for the additional pay or out of pride, rather than humbly considering their skill sets and best fit. This can lead to unnecessary failure. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three teaches, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. If you desire honor for your work, do what you do best, and ask your company to reward your successes accordingly.
1: To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org. Hello, this is Samantha Landy, and I bring you Psalms of Hope. Heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord.
0: Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, here on KKXX. back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you're here, able to listen today, and it's another lovely Chico afternoon. We're heading into that time of year where it's pretty much, it's almost going to be guaranteed to have a nice day, and I really enjoy that. I was talking about the deficit and the interest rates and all that, and I'm not going to complicate things with too much math, but I hope you understand what I'm talking about we're crying and moaning about a $1.3 trillion deficit every year. And we're not even facing the fact that if interest rates were at historical normals, we would be paying $1.3 trillion just in interest alone each year. And that wouldn't count anything else. So if you can see what I'm saying, that everything I say here is only to point out the fact that you need to really think twice about how safe your money really is. If they are, print money to so-called inflate away this debt, what does that mean to you? What it means to you is that, yes, we might live in a place where they've got the debt paid off, which I doubt, but if they did, what that would also mean is in order to do that, they had to make trillions and trillions and trillions of new dollars to get everything paid paid off. And what that means is that when there's that many dollars There's too many dollars and prices will rise. That's our whole problem. Our problem is when prices rise, we have to make more and more dollars to keep up. And how does that work for a guy that's right now living on the streets and bumming for quarters? And I always think of it this way. Back in the old days, like 50 years ago, if you were looking for handouts and you got a quarter, you could actually go in and buy a cup of coffee with a quarter. Well, now, if you get a quarter, you actually can go in and what's a coffee now? At least $2, even in an inexpensive coffee shop. So the less you have, the worse off you are in this hyperinflation environment. Speaking of hyperinflation, I don't know, I don't believe I mentioned this the last time, but I've been telling you about Venezuela having lots of trouble with their currency being devalued. And I just looked it up, and a couple weeks ago, An ounce of silver cost 800,000 bolivars, which is their unit of currency. And I just looked, uh, I think, a week ago, and it was already up to over a million. In the matter of a few weeks, probably two or three weeks, the Venezuelan currency has lost another 25%. Now, how do you measure that? You measure it against something that's real, like silver and gold. When, If and when this happens to the dollar you would be looking at a price of like a million dollars per ounce, but a million dollars wouldn't mean what it used to mean. It would mean one ounce of silver, that's what it's worth. So I'm just warning you that you need to protect, protect what you've got, you need to protect your money, and the people who run things are not looking out for your interest, they're looking out for their interest. And uh, basically they've been stealing all the money for all these years. I just heard a replay of a press conference in the, I believe it was in the Rose Garden at the White House. It was, I believe, President Trump was with Macron, the French president. And I just caught a little bit of it where President Trump was saying that we've spent $7 trillion in the Middle East. And I'm assuming he means maybe since World War II, but maybe he means since... The Iraq war in the late 80s, early 90s? I'm not sure. But what that means to me is $7 trillion has been added to our debt, and that's $7 trillion we didn't have. The only way to possibly pay $7 trillion for anything is to print money. That's part of the problem. Everything's, Everything's just, everybody thinks everything comes for free. Everybody thinks that, you know... Like Egon von Greyer says, why don't we just all print money and send each other a paycheck? Now, you know, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is that there's no actual growth in the economy. It's just people passing dollars around and nothing's really being accomplished or accredited. You know, there's no real increase. Nothing's growing. Nothing's being made. It's just a weird situation. I just want to, protect you guys so what I'm doing is I'm just telling you watch what your money's doing make sure it's not exposed to this fake market and be careful because whatever you think you have is only as good as the person that has to pay you back when you ask for your money everything you own has what's called counterparty risk and you have to rely on the other person to send back what you want when it's time to end this contract and there can be some surprises down the road when you decide you wanna cash something out and the other guy doesn't have the cash, something like that. And I'm not saying any one particular place or person is crooked, but all I'm saying is you gotta be really careful because if you've worked your whole life to uh, you know, save up what you've been able to save, it's not a great idea to have it at risk. And right now with the stock market at all-time highs interest rates climbing, war ready to break out at any moment. It's just things aren't that good. So why why keep all of your money at risk? You may want to think about putting half of it in a safe account and saying, hey, even if the rest goes to zero, at least I saved half of it. That's what I would do. I wanted to mention that May 15th at 6 o'clock, we're having a cryptocurrency investment seminar. If you don't know much about cryptocurrencies, that's why we're doing this. There's a whole world of investment, and it's not for the faint of heart. It, these things go up and down, but it's very fun to trade. I've, I've become an investor and a trader. I don't consider it a long-term investment because I'm not certain about the 50-year window on these things. But I do know that there's money to be made by buying and selling, and it's a lot of fun. You might be interested in learning. It's going to be at Unwind at 980, which is the old blockbuster. It's now a nice restaurant. Uh, The $97 fee to get in includes a real nice dinner, and we will give you enough education to where you could start right away at investing and being safe with your money and learning all about cryptocurrency. Now, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just telling you for entertainment value of what I've done and what can be done but you still always have to do your own due diligence. That's the term that we all use in the financial world. I'm not a financial planner, but it's called do your own due diligence. In other words, if I tell you that it's real smart to buy gold and silver and you go out and buy gold and silver and the price goes down, that's not something that I'm responsible for because you needed to do your own due diligence. You need to go out. I don't know your exact situation. All I can tell you is it's a good idea to have some gold and silver, but I don't tell you, I don't tell you how much, and I'm, all I'm doing is telling you why. Now, here's something that's come up with the cryptocurrencies. If you know anybody who's been into Bitcoin, that's the, there's hundreds of these currencies, but the famous one is called Bitcoin. If you know anybody who's been in Bitcoin, if they happen to jump in when it was $19,000 each, and now i believe it's down around 7 or 8000 i don't watch it on a daily basis here's what's going on the cryptocurrency world is a just to make a bottom line i'm not, i'm not an expert but i'm going to fill you in on what i know and i'm not a financial advisor so do your own due diligence what's happened is in my opinion the big boys, the same ones who manipulate the price of gold and silver downward to make everybody feel like they're safe with their money in the bank, they have I believe they're doing the same thing with cryptocurrencies. They are the ones buying them up with money that they get to print. I mean, I, nobody gives me a printing press in my garage. If I did, I'd be a criminal because that would be called, uh, what's the name of that? Uh, counterfeiting. I'd be a counterfeiter. So it's illegal for me to print money but it's not illegal for them to print money. And if they want to print a hundred billion dollars and buy up all the, all the Bitcoin and make it go to 19,000. And then all of a sudden they sell it all in one big chunk and it goes down to 6,000, which is what happened. That is their way of teaching people stay out of cryptocurrencies. It's dangerous. You'll lose all your money. But in reality, they know that cryptocurrencies are the wave of the future but they're afraid of them because it's going to take away the value of their paper money banking system that they've been living on for the last 105 years. I'll be back after the break with a little more about that and a lot of interesting learning coming up. Stay tuned. This is Harold Littlejohn CPA. I'll be right back.
1: Hey, everyone, let's all stop what we're doing and take a moment. You see, every moment can be kind of special. But they can be loud moments, goofy moments, dorky moments. It doesn't matter because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids, well, it's pretty momentous. So let's take a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD-411 or
0: visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you're here. I appreciate you spending a little bit of your afternoon with me. I'm here to educate. I'm here to elucidate. I'm here to... Well, I won't go too far with that rhyme. Anyway, I'm going to read an interesting article that kind of ties in with what I was talking about before. Don't forget, May 15th at 6 p.m. I'm going to be sending out emails to everyone I know. If you would like more information... You can call 530-368-7838, and you can email me, herald, at hlittlejohn.com, and I'll get you the the place to go sign up for that seminar that's going to be a lot of fun and a great meal to boot. And 10% of the profits go to the Butte Humane Society, so that's another bonus for you. Okay, uh, I'm going to read from my favorite author because the stuff that I've been talking about is really pronounced in this article that he wrote uh, just a few days ago. And I'm just going to start reading because this is very important information. And listen to the logic of this. Tell me whether this is wrong or not. The superpowers in the West are doing what they can to provoke Russia and indirectly China and Iran into a world war. Most people alive today were not adults when World War II started and therefore did not follow the lead up to the war. But today the whole world can watch how the West has chosen to attack a country which has no major significance geopolitically and does not threaten any other country. Still, the West clearly knows that bombing of Syria can start a global conflict with potentially horrendous consequences. There is no intelligent reporting of these events in the Western media. And I'll just go on to say that the basic news uh, stations are complete worthlessness, in my opinion. Whatever propaganda the media is fed, they just publish it without any analysis or investigation. And the U.S. with its allies do not wait for any independent verification of alleged use of chemical weapons. That a world war could start on such fickle reasoning is absolutely frightening. Then the headline on this section is UK and U.S. starts a war to divert attention from domestic woes. Syria is, of course, only an excuse. As a country, it would be of no consequence for the safety of the rest of the world if it was left alone. Most wars are started by nations which are under economic pressure domestically. The U.S. and U.K. fit that picture perfectly. With debts growing exponentially and massive budget and trade deficits, both these countries are on the way to bankruptcy. Added to that, their leaders are under major pressure at home. Trump has deep state and impeachment pressures, and Theresa May suffers from weak leadership in a minority government with an unresolved Brexit. This is the perfect background for pretending that there is a major global conflict and diverting the attention to the international scene. It is only Russia's restraint which has so far stopped this conflict from turning into something very serious for the world. And I didn't know this before, but listen to this. We must remember that Russia only has two military bases outside of their country, while the U.S. has around 1,000. Also, according to independent experts, Russia's military might is far superior to that of the U.S., but in the case of a nuclear war, both countries have more than enough power to destroy the world, so we must hope and pray that it won't come to that. Virtually nobody can protect against a global nuclear conflict, but we can protect against local conflicts and we can protect against a financial crisis. And then he goes on to talk about his company. In 2001, we decided as a company that protection against a potential financial crisis was an absolute necessity. Thus, we took the decision to invest in physical gold for our clients and ourselves. At the time, I regarded the continuous deficit spending, credit growth, and the derivative time bomb as major risks. Now remember that's 17 years ago and uh, those things still apply. And he goes on, "The best time to make a strategic and long-term investment decision is when the asset you intend to buy is unloved and undervalued." That was certainly the case with gold at the time. Gold had been going down for 19 years from 850 in 1980 to a low of 250 an ounce in 1999. Central banks around the world had been selling a major part of their gold. The UK and Switzerland comes to mind as two countries selling the majority of their gold around the lows, a very good buying signal. As we were forecasting a potential, fin- potential financial crisis at some point in the future, we recommended in early 2002 to our investors to buy gold for up to 50% of their financial assets. Gold was then $300. At the time, this was quite a radical proposition, especially since gold was then a barbarous relic that was totally out of fashion. The advantage with buying an undervalued asset that is not on the front pages is that the risk is so much smaller than when the trade becomes crowded. The timing was quite fortunate. As the chart below shows, gold rose every year from $300 in 2002 to $1,920 in 2011. In 2013, a bigger correction started, which ended in 2015. Since then, gold has only moved up slowly, just like it did in '99 to 2001. In my opinion, gold is now in the process of breaking out from the five-year consolidation. We need to get proper confirmation with the move to 1400 but the position of the quarterly chart confirmed by the rising MACD indicator is a strong sign that the next move in gold to new highs is imminent. Then he goes on to show some gold charts. But he says, We must remember that gold is not bought or held as a conventional investment for capital appreciation purposes. No, gold has a much more important function than that. Our company invested in gold in 2002 because we identified the risks in the financial system as very high. But today the risks are substantially higher and the reason for buying physical gold even more compelling. We buy physical gold because, number one, it has been money for 5,000 years. It is the only money which has survived throughout history. It guarantees stable purchasing power over time. It is scarce. It cannot be printed. Unlimited paper gold creation will soon collapse. It is durable. All the gold ever produced still exists. It is nobody else's liability, thus, no counterparty risk. It is held and traded outside a fragile financial system. It is the ultimate wealth preservation asset and insurance against a rotten world economy. It might appear that I am a gold bug, but that is far from the case. We bought gold in 2002 to protect against the colossal risks we saw. We are not in love with gold, but believe that it is the best protection you can buy and own today. At some point, gold will be overloved and overvalued. Then we will recommend to our investors to sell some of their gold or swap it against other assets, which are unloved and undervalued. But I expect that time to be quite a few years away. Today at $13.50 per ounce, gold is as unloved and undervalued as it was when we bought in 2002 at $300. On a real inflation-adjusted basis, gold at $1,350 today is at the same level as in 2002 and also at a 300-year low. The 1980 gold peak at 850 adjusted for inflation would be 16450 in today's money, 12 times higher than currently. That price is more in line with our own targets. Silver is even more undervalued. On the same inflation-adjusted basis, silver is also at a 300-year low. At $17.20 today, inflation-adjusted silver is the same as in 2000 at around $4. And the 1980 silver high of $50 would today be $761, a 44 times increase from here. Gold at $16,450 and silver at $761 makes the gold-silver ratio 22 which is in line with historical levels. But since the ratio is just below 79 today, it means that silver will move almost four times as fast as gold. Gold and silver are at historical lows, inflation adjusted, bearing in mind that credit creation, and that means money printing, has been exponential in this century, with global debt having doubled to $250 since 2006, Gold has in no way reflected this money printing and total destruction of paper money, so this is still to come. Once the intervention in the paper market fails, which could happen at any time, the moves in gold and silver will be explosive. The time to own physical gold and silver is today and not when they move to new highs. Both metals are at inflation-adjusted historical lows and the downside risk is minimal. Also, they probably are the most undervalued of all assets currently. With geopolitical, economic, and financial risks at an extreme high, please don't ignore these risks and don't ignore history. And with the precious metals at extreme lows, it would be very unwise not to own substantial protection in the form of physical gold and silver. Well, he just kind of put that in good words, what I have been sort of telling you. Everybody should have part of their money in at least some physical gold. And it's not uh, not crazy to imagine that at some point soon, uh, gold and silver will be extremely higher priced than they are now. It's just not that, it's not that big of a leap of faith to figure that. Not at all. Well, I will be coming up on the last break in a little bit. One of my favorite topics, and this is a little bit bit outside of the investment financial world, uh, me being a CPA now that I've gotten through tax season, another one, which is probably my 38th tax season. I've been doing this since the early 1980s. I'm always glad to take a little breath and step back from the tax and financial world and do a little reading of things that I enjoy. And one of the things I like to read about is the subject of time. I listen to people who speak about uh, called quantum mechanics and things on YouTube, the science type not really scientists because that's, once they get into the scientific calculations and the mathematics, the high level math, they sort of leave me behind a little bit. But I do love reading. I love to read about things that take my mind off of work and uh, financial stuff and money. That's always nice to get away from that a little bit. So I'm going to, uh, after the break, I'm going to share a little bit from my favorite book which is called A Course in Miracles and I'm going to go into a chapter that uh, it's going to teach you a little bit about how we can utilize time which everybody says time is money, uh, time is precious, time is all we have, you know all these expressions related to time, well this little chapter and it's not a real long one, It. It will give you a whole new perspective on that kind of thing. And I think you'll find it helpful. So stay tuned after the break. We're going to talk about time. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay with me for a little more time.
1: Two kinds of science. This is Ken Ham, whose ministry has produced the family-friendly Answers Bible Curriculum. Science is usually defined as what we can learn about the natural world using the scientific method or with our five senses. But did you know there are two kinds of science? You see, observational science fits the definition of science very well. It's done in the present and is directly testable, observable, and repeatable. But historical science is very different. It deals with the past, so it isn't directly testable, observable, or repeatable. You simply can't practice the scientific method on the past. So what you believe about the past determines how you'll interpret that evidence. With creation and evolution, the problem isn't the evidence, it's the interpretation of that evidence. Plan your visit to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter when you go to AnswersRadio.com and sign up to receive free daily email insights at AnswersRadio.com. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA, having a real nice afternoon. Glad you're listening. I'd love to hopefully educate a little bit, give you a little bit of heads up. If some of these things I read sound negative, it's only negative if you put your head in the sand and don't listen to them. If you listen, think about it, maybe it'll make you, uh, you know, maybe it'll make you move some of your money to a safer place in a little while, which would be very positive so anything you can do to protect yourself save those hard-earned dollars which they really are it's hard to save money these days I of course I've been in business a long time I I do well I don't complain but it's still hard to save a lot of money it's just tough these days everything's so expensive and uh, prices go up and up and but they keep telling us inflation's what one percent is that what they say? You know, it's funny because one of their stated missions when they print all this money is to make inflation 2% a year. It's like, oh, thank you. You're going to devalue the dollars I put in the bank that earned zero, and you're going to devalue them 2% for me this year. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. How thoughtful. Okay, I'm done with my bashing of the money system. Now I'm going to read you a bit of my favorite book. It's chapter 15. The title of the chapter that I'm going to start with today is called The Holy Instant. And section one, which I'm going to try to get through here in the last segment today, is called The Two Uses of Time. Can you imagine what it means to have no cares, no worries, no anxieties, but merely to be perfectly calm and quiet all the time? Yet that is what time is for. To learn just that and nothing more. God's teacher cannot be satisfied with his teaching until it constitutes all your learning. He has not fulfilled his teaching function until you have become such a consistent learner that you learn only of him. When this has happened, you will no longer need a teacher or time in which to learn. One source of perceived discouragement from which you may suffer is your belief that this takes time and that the results of the Holy Spirit's teaching are far in the future. This is not so. For the Holy Spirit uses time in his own way and is not bound by it. Time is his friend in teaching. It does not waste him as it does you. And all the waste that time seems to bring with it is due but to your identification with the ego which uses time to support its belief in destruction. Now, I'm going to just interject here. One of the good definitions of the ego is our unhealthy relationship with life. Okay, I'm going to continue. And all the waste that time seems to bring with it is due but to your identification with the ego, which uses time to support its belief in destruction. The ego, like the Holy Spirit, uses time to convince you of the inevitability of the goal and end of teaching. To the ego, to the ego, the goal is death, which is its end. But to the Holy Spirit, the goal is life, which has no end. The ego is an ally of time, but not a friend. For it is as mistrustful of death as it is of life, and what it wants for you it cannot tolerate. The ego wants you dead, but not itself. The outcome of its strange religion must therefore be the conviction that it can pursue you beyond the grave. And out of its unwillingness for you to find peace, even in death, it offers you immortality in hell. It speaks to you of heaven, but assures you that heaven is not for you. How can the guilty hope for heaven? The belief in hell is inescapable to those who identify with the ego. Their nightmares and their fears are all associated with it. The ego teaches that hell is in the future, for this is what all its teaching is directed to. Hell is its goal. For although the ego aims at death and dissolution as an end, it does not believe it. The goal of death, which it craves for you, leaves it unsatisfied. No one who follows the ego's teaching is without the fear of death. Yet if death were thought of merely as an end to pain, would it be feared? We have seen this strange paradox in the ego's thought system before, but never so clearly as here. For the ego must seem to keep fear from you to hold your allegiance, yet it must engender fear in order to maintain itself. Again, the ego tries and all too frequently succeeds in doing both, by using dissociation for holding its contradictory aims together so that they seem to be reconciled. The ego teaches thus, Death is the end as far as hope of heaven goes. Yet because you and the ego cannot be separated, and because it cannot conceive of its own death, it, would, it will pursue you still because guilt is eternal. Such is the ego's version of immortality. And it is this the ego's version of time supports. The ego teaches that heaven is here and now because the future is hell. Even when it attacks so savagely that it tries to take the life of someone who thinks it's is the only voice, it speaks of hell even to him. For it tells him hell is here as well and bids him leap from hell into oblivion. The only time the ego allows anyone to look upon with equanimity is the past. And even there, its only value is that it is no more. How bleak and despairing is the ego's use of time, and how terrifying! For underneath its fanatical insistence that the past and future be the same is hidden a far more insidious threat to peace. The ego does not advertise its final threat, for it would have its worshippers still believe that it can offer them escape. But the belief in guilt must lead to the belief in hell, and always does. The only way in which the ego allows the fear of hell to be experienced is to bring hell here, but always as a foretaste of the future. For no one who considers himself as deserving of hell can believe that punishment will end in peace. Now here's where it gets good. The Holy Spirit teaches thus, There is no hell. Hell is only what the ego has made of the present. The belief in hell is what prevents you from understanding the present because you are afraid of it. The Holy Spirit leads as steadily to heaven as the ego drives to hell. For the Holy Spirit, who knows only the present, uses it to undo the fear by which the ego would make the present useless. There is no escape from fear in the ego's use of time. For time, according to its teaching, is nothing but a teaching device for compounding guilt until it becomes all-encompassing, demanding vengeance forever. The Holy Spirit would undo all of this now. Fear is not of the present, but only of the past and future, which do not exist." There is no fear in the present when each instant stands clear and separated from the past without its shadow reaching out into the future. Each instant is a clean, untarnished birth in which the Son of God emerges from the past into the present, and the present extends forever. It is so beautiful and so clean and free of guilt that nothing but happiness is there. No darkness is remembered, and immortality and joy are now. This lesson takes no time. For what is time without a past and future? It has taken time to misguide you so completely, but it takes no time at all to be what you are. Begin to practice the Holy Spirit's use of time as a teaching aid to happiness and peace. Take this very instant now and think of it as all there is of time. Nothing can reach you here out of the past, and it is here that you are completely absolved, completely free, "...and holy without condemnation. From this holy instant wherein holiness was born again, you will go forth in time without fear and with no sense of change with time. Time is inconceivable without change, yet holiness does not change. Learn from this instant more than merely that hell does not exist. In this redeeming instant lies heaven, and heaven will not change." For the birth into the holy present is salvation from change. Change is an illusion taught by those who cannot see themselves as guiltless. There is no change in heaven because there is no change in God. In the holy instant in which you see yourselves as bright with freedom, you will remember God, for remembering him is to remember freedom. If you are tempted to be dispirited by thinking how long it would take to change your mind so completely, ask yourself, how long is an instant? Could you not give so short a time to the Holy Spirit for your salvation? He asks no more, for he has no need of more. It takes far, long to te- far longer to teach you to be willing to give him this than for him to use this tiny instant to offer you the whole of heaven. In exchange for this instant, he stands ready to give you the remembrance of eternity. So I'm going to stop reading there because that's just it's too much stuff to even comprehend unless you've been studying this like I have for years. And I still get I still get new learning every time I read one of these chapters. I get a lot new out of it each time. That's why I've I've read and listened to this book on the uh, audiobooks uh, over and over over the last nine or ten years. And it just gets better and better every time I read it. But really the, the basis of what I've just read is this. In reality, past and future are only in your mind. It's completely a construct of what you are anticipating or remembering. It really isn't there. One of the things in a book called A New Earth from Eckhart Tolle, he mentions that, isn't it like you think about a vacation last summer or even what you did yesterday afternoon, isn't it similar to the feeling you get when you wake up and you think about a dream you had the night before in your dreaming uh, during sleep. What it is is that there's only one part of time that's real and it's always the same. And what Eckhart Tolle talks about is we're confusing the present moment with what happens during the present moment. In other words, we're confusing the fact that this show this movie is running through our mind as if it's past to present to future but there's really only one moment and it's always the same anytime you think about the past you're probably figuring that the future's going to be like the past but when you think about it is there anything you can really do other than what you can do right now in other words Everything you do is done now. Everything you've ever done is done now. Everything you ever will do is done now. I'm paraphrasing from Eckhart Tolle because he, I think the way Eckhart Tolle did this book, The Power of Now and A New Earth, I think he started with The Course in Miracles and he dissected it down to all of the passages talking about time. And that's where he comes up with these things. The point is, is that If you start living in the present and, you know, you'll hear people say, you know, the present moment, live, live in the present. It's really the secret, because once you do that, you realize that there is no way you can influence the future other than to make the present a positive, present, heavenly moment where you share that present moment with whoever you're with. Even if you're alone, you can have a holy instant. But the book calls it a holy instant, the course here. What I'm trying to say is it'll make every day so much better if you sit down and just stop and think that your only time available is now and whatever's happening during now is just an illusory past and future that really don't exist. You have to really stay focused on remembering that it's now. Now, this isn't easy to do, but like that passage I was reading from the book says, this does not take time. One of the main problems with people who are seeking enlightenment or seeking peace of mind, one of their main problems is they put it in the future. They say, oh, if I do this, if I study this, if I go to this workshop, if I do this meditation, I will be at peace in the future. That's the big mistake. You can't do this to be looking toward the future. You do it now. It's already here and you're already there. That's where you're at, and you can't plan for the future. Or well, you can plan. You can do whatever you need to plan, but you do that now. But you don't say, oh, I will be happy when this happens. You just work towards whatever goal you want to work towards, but you do it now, and you don't anticipate what's going to be the problem in the future. Uh, you know whatever problems come up in the present, they just take care of themselves. And if you stay... In that present moment, you'll be a lot better off. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm so glad you had some time today to spend with me. I hope I've educated you a little bit. I hope you give a little bit of thought to that present moment thinking and quit worrying about the future and dwelling on the past. I'll see you next time on Business Buzz. KKXX Paradise K280GL Chico and K283AR Chico Yuba City Marysville. With SRN
1: News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Bill Cosby's been convicted of drugging and assaulting Temple University employee Andrea Constant at his suburban Philadelphia home in 2004. The verdict in the first big celebrity trial of the hashtag MeToo era seals the spectacular late life downfall of a comedian who broke racial barriers in Hollywood on his way to TV superstardom as America's dad. Former federal prosecutor David Weinstein says the addition of more accusers who said Cosby attacked them as well tipped the balance in the state's favor. What was different this trial was absolutely the inclusion of the additional witnesses who testified about other occasions on which, although uncharged, Cosby had committed similar acts against them. Cosby, who is 80 years of age, could end up spending his final years in prison. The Senate, uh, Senate narrowly confirms CIA Director Mike Pompeo as the new Secretary of State. Democrat Ben Cardin argued Mike Pompeo isn't the right man to be the nation's top diplomat, citing, for example, Pompeo's past comments about the nuclear agreement with Iran.
0: It was Mr. Pompeo who said that the solution rests with 2,000 sorties to destroy the Iran nuclear capacity that's not diplomacy.
1: Republican Pat Roberts responded.
0: Mike, I know, will be forthright, he'll be forceful and thoughtful, and yes, he will be diplomatic.
1: Confirmation by the Senate means Pompeo will have to hit the ground running as the new Secretary of State, preparing for upcoming denuclearization talks with the leader of North Korea. Linda Kenyon, Washington. Russia ratcheted up its efforts Thursday to try to disprove that